Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we are hearing from God's Word with this Sunday's sermon. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Odium and Church Crookham, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Um, I was, I've been seeking God for you as a church and uh, praying. And uh, in the three times over the last week, I've been praying for you three different pictures with the same uh, strength of uh, meaning, I believe. I saw a cord of three strands tightly woven together. I saw a hot air balloon with three uh, ropes holding the basket, taking off and going above the mist. And I saw a helicopter with three blades uh, taking off from Odium's airbase and flying high in the sky. And I felt God wanting to say to you as a church, there are lots of threes that God has prepared for you, three leaders that God is going to uh, raise up in this church to take this church into a new orbit, three involvements in terms of international involvements where you are going to fly beyond these shores and three uh, key ministries that are going to be neatly roped together in order to pull God's kingdom into this community and into the areas beyond. So I pray that you would uh, weigh that and be encouraged by that. As I was seeking God what to bring this morning, I, I felt God wanted to take us back to some of the basics. You see, when Andy and I did our training with Arnold. We were in a season of New Frontiers talking very much about the restoration of the church. There was a vision men like Arnold and Terry would share about God's glorious church. And I was part of a church which was only down the road in Alsford, but it's Hope really was to cling on until Jesus came back. That was really our whole vision for the future. Well, let's hope Jesus comes back because the world is going to hell in a, in, a, in a basket. And given a vision of what God put the church on earth for, completely changed my life. And I believe that New Frontiers in those early days grabbed hold of this vision and started to run with this vision. But today, and in this year of COVID, I believe God is resetting the clock and reminding us of what we gave our lives for. There's a younger generation growing up where many New Frontiers churches or Commission churches today are not very dissimilar to the local Baptist church or Brethren church that I used to go to. And so I want to remind you today of what I believe God will lead this church and the movement of commission out of into a new season, which I believe is all about restoration. If you never heard the term restoration, um, you'd have seen programs of house restoration. But restoration in terms of a Bible sense is a restoration to New Testament biblical truth and authority to the Bible. And it's a restoration to New Testament practices. What we read in the Bible, we see as normal and normative. And so I want to look <clears throat> at the book of Nehemiah this morning and just briefly give you three um, encouragements, really, in terms of what areas of life I believe God wants to restore. So if you've got your Bibles at home, could you turn to Nehemiah chapter 1? And if you're very clever and able to do it as well, put your 
finger also in Ephesians chapter 4. I've got two bookmarks to help me flick between the two. Just as you're doing that, let me just give you the context. In 586 years before Christ, the uh, Babylonians came, invaded Israel, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took off captives into Babylon. They were in captivity for 70 years, and God spoke through the prophets, we've heard that this morning, of a restoration, a returning to the city. That had happened, and a temple had been built, a smaller, not quite so impressive a temple had been built, and now we're in a, as we start Nehemiah chapter 1, we are coming <clears throat> to a place where the, this man, Nehemiah, who's a cupbearer for the king, is hearing news from his friend about how Jerusalem, the city, is doing. Verse 3 of chapter 1. This is the report Nehemiah hears. Those who have survived the exile are back in the province and in great trouble and disgrace. Not a bad picture for the Western church today. I believe we're in great trouble and I believe in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Nehemiah is like an apostolic, an Old Testament apostle. When you turn in Ephesians 4, you can see what I mean by this because it says in Ephesians 4.11, it was him who gave to some to be apostles, what for, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. Nehemiah is a sent one who is sent to prepare God's people for their individual work. We've heard that this morning through Heather and through others in terms of God has a work for every one of us to do. So that the body of Christ, so that the walls of Jerusalem, so the city of God, the people of God may be built up until what? Until the walls rise and the bricks and the blocks are cemented together to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What is maturity itself? Government under God, where God rules and reigns over his people, over his city, where it is the joy of the whole earth, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. So briefly, three challenges I want to bring you. Firstly is this, I believe this applies to this church. This applies very much to you on, this, on the camera this morning as you're listening to this in your home. I believe God wants to restore to us the primacy of worship. You see, when Nehemiah hears this news of disgrace, what we do not find him is finger-pointing and blaming others. 
Well, this is all the younger generations for. The reason we're in this mess is because of immigration. The reason we've got all the problems we have is because of this group or that group. Now, Nehemiah joins the dots and realizes that actually the reason the nation is in the state it is, the disgrace that the nation and the people of God are in, is because they had Sinned, And not just them, he identifies with them, him and his own, my father's house. I believe that the nation, the Western nations, the United Kingdom, I believe we're in a disgraceful place because of the state of the church. Our hope, our confidence is not in Boris, is not in a new government. It isn't in whether we're part of or not part of Europe. The problem of our nation is the problem that we've turned our back on God. And the problem with the church is the church has stopped being the church of God. The city set on a hill, the walls are broken down. The church is an irrelevant, irrelevant group of people to how most people think in Odium, in the United Kingdom. And why is the church in such a place? Because the church is just a club. The church is just a holy club. It's just a group of people getting together and singing a few songs and listening to a few boring sermons. Isn't that what the church is about? No, the church exists for the glory of God. The church, when the churches gather, and I hope as you're listening to this online, you're not thinking, I tell you what, do you know what? I prefer church like this. This is not church. Church needs to gather. We are the gathered ones. We, we're bought, saved out of the world into a community, and a community which is flesh and blood touching each other, living, rubbing up against each other. And as we're coming together, we know the promises of God. Where two or three gathered, we want the presence of God in our midst. That's what makes us the people of God, God's presence. I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament and you've come upon Moses, where Moses says to, to God, show me your glory. <laughs> I go, if I was there, I'd go, hang on, Moses. Hang on. What do you want? You've seen the plagues. You've seen the Red Sea part. You've had manna from heaven, quail from heaven. You've seen it all, Moses. What? Why on earth are you crying out for more of glory? Because Moses didn't want to live without seeing the presence of God. I tell you what, the church of Jesus Christ in our nation, when they gather and have gathered for decades, they have gathered without any sense of imminence or presence suddenly being there. It is a game changer. We have orbited our life around self, around materialism, around the pattern of this world. No wonder young people are leaving it in their droves because, well, it's so boring. Copernicus in the 1500s, um, he, was a, he was a physician and uh, also a part-time astronomer. And uh, the model that was put forward by astronomers in that day was that the Earth was at the center of the, of the solar system and everything revolved around the Earth. And trouble was, the stars and the various things didn't appear in the right time frame, but they tried to make that the God's fault. He put forward a theory that the whole of the solar system orbits around the sun. 
And when he did that, he found that all the planets aligned in their seasons. I tell you, a lot of the problem of our nation, a lot of the problems in our life, is we have put God to orbit around the planet itself. We want God to be the genie in our lamp. We want our God to be the God of the car parking space. That's when we need him just for a parking space, just for a little bit more in our life. And we, are orbit we have God orbiting our life and not realizing the mess that we're in is because we've failed to see the importance of orbiting the sun, orbiting the king. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. COVID-19, I believe, is a reset button. It's a reset button for Christians. It's a reset button for the church in this nation. It's a reset button for commission. How much are we prizing the presence of God? As we read his word every day, as we gather our family around his word every day, and particularly as we gather the church, we will get past this. Praise God for those who are creating vaccines so we can gather again safely in the new year. But when we gather, what joy it will be to touch and see and hug one another. But friends, what joy it will be to bring and see the presence of God upon his church. Let me say secondly, the second challenge I believe here is I believe God wants to restore the sense of gifts to his church, the sense of members, every member being gifted, these Ephesians 4 gifts being given. When Nehemiah inspects the walls of Jerusalem, he goes out at night in chapter 2, and then he tells them, he says in verse 17, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burnt with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We'll no longer be in disgrace. And I told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me. And they said, let us start rebuilding. And they started this good work. I want you to hear this message. I want you to be saying in your spirit, come on, God. Come on, church. Let us start rebuilding in 2021 a church full of the presence of God, where actually it is full of the gifts that God has given. Because in this narrative, you then get all these different families building uh, walls and sections of walls and, and little uh, gate posts and arches and everybody had a job. They had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. And as families, they built together this, this wall all around the city of Jerusalem. I want to say one of the huge challenges, I believe, that where we have gone wrong again in the West is we have relegated, delegated the responsibility of one anothering to a few people. There's a few professionals who do the church. In fact, I'm not really needed on a Sunday because Andy's got it all in hand. The worship guy's got it all in hand. And I'm just here as pew fodder to listen to a message and then go home and go, well, okay, it was give or take. No, the risen Christ gave gifts, it says in Ephesians 4, to his church. What for? So we can be entertained by them? No, to equip us to use our gifts to build the church. 
every one of you listening to this screen, whether you're young or whether you're old, or whatever age you are, is a gift of the risen Christ to his church. These gifts are not about seniority. Apostles and leaders of movements aren't the bosses and everyone else does their bidding. No, my job is to help you and encourage you today to say, you are the full-timer. You have been called by God. You've been equipped by God in order to build this church stronger. And that might be through a gift of administration. You might have a gift of word of wisdom, bringing the word of God. You, you may have a gift of helps. You may, you may be just a brilliant servant. It all builds this incredible body of God. So we want to restore to the church this expectation. You know what? When Andy and I, it, we're talking about 30 years ago now, but when Andy and I started out in this, one of the things we were nervous about and yet really excited about is some days anything could happen. God could and would use anybody in the church. I mean, it was a free-for-all. It was like, what's going to happen next? Yes, you need a Bible teacher and, and you need elders to make sure we're all uh, looked after and protected as a sheep. But actually, the body, being a body, means that somebody who's a new Christian or somebody who's been a Christian all their life could stand and bring a, a word, a, a prophecy, a tongue. And it was electrifying because the presence of God was in the room. We want to see in this new age beyond COVID, a restoring of the church to its New Testament practice that when we gather, every one of you has a gift. Every one of you is coming, not as a passive passenger sitter, but coming to build, coming to bless, coming to strengthen, coming to encourage the body of Christ you see, when Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the unmentionable parts of the body. These, he says, are the most essential parts of our body. See, we don't put our guts on display on Sunday, do we? I don't pull out my guts and plonk them on the, on the lectern this morning and go, hey, praise God for guts, eh? Because they're unpresentable. It wouldn't be a pretty sight, would it? But actually, it is vital for this church that we recognize all those different parts of the body that are operating to make the church the church. And when we ignore them, when we despise them, when we isolate them, the church gets sick. The church becomes a monster. Can I put it as strongly as this? If it's just the preacher that the church is about, it becomes the church of the big mouth. If it's just the prophetic that you want to honor in terms of gifts of the spirit, it's the church of the one eye. That's a monster. But when the whole body finds its function, pulls together, builds together, everyone has their part in the body. What do people see in Odium? They see the risen Jesus Christ. The church is the body of Christ. It's doing the works of Jesus. It's being Jesus. Wherever one member of this body is, it's being Jesus to that world. We need to restore. We need to restore this as a matter of urgency. And thirdly, and finally, and it's not in this passage, but I, I feel very stirred to bring this. We need to restore 
the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It says in Nehemiah that when they did a stonely in Nehemiah 8.17, it says, and their joy, Nehemiah 8 verse 17, and their joy was very great. Joy is the fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit. Joy is our inheritance. It's our, the serious business of heaven. That's what C.S. Lewis says. Serious business. In fact, all the experts in COVID are saying, actually, a joyful spirit is really good medicine. If you're not laughing today at the preacher or laughing at something that's going on and, and being joyful and, and looking to, for encouragement and praise, that the opposite is a spirit of despair, which, which leads us into death and leads us into all kinds of illnesses. Now, the joy bringer is the Holy Spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, very famously, when he talked about uh, Ephesians chapter 1, one of his greatest sermons, I believe, he says this verse, and when you, uh, chapter 1, verse 13, and you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed in him, that's in Jesus, you were marked with a seal, a stamp guaranteeing a, the promised Holy Spirit who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. Lloyd-Jones says that deposit, that beginning, that stamp is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what Paul said when he comes to Ephesians. He said, did you receive, there's something missing in this group of disciples. Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So we pray for, laid hands on them that they might receive the baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not an optional extra for good Christians. It's not a us and them, first and second class. The baptism of the Holy, in the Holy Spirit is our birthright, our inheritance. It's something we need to be praying for and asking for if we haven't received it or living in the good of and praying to be refilled with the Holy Spirit in this day in which we're living. If you don't believe this, Leslie Newbigin talked about the early church in this way. The church, by our standards, was poorly staffed. Poorly resourced, poorly educated, poorly equipped, and in an extremely hostile, emphatically pluralistic culture, yet they experienced dizzying success. The secret to their power, he says, is the dynamic operation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the game changer. It's a he, it's a third person of the, Holy, of the, of the Godhead, the hidden person in, in the Godhead, who's always spotlighting, spotlighting the work of Jesus Christ to lead us to the Father and to lead us into intimacy that we might know that we're children of God. But it is that person that wants to clothe us with power from on high to be Jesus to our world and to enable us to advance his kingdom. Lloyd-Jones says, it is better to be too credulous than to be casual and to be smug and to be dead when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I believe we need to be clothed with power from on high. I believe we need that sort of Pentecostal, the day of Pentecost experience where the Holy Spirit comes on us with a renewed fire in order that we might shine brightly in this world in which we're living. It says their joy was very 
great. I can remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, my joy was very great. I remember when the move of the Holy Spirit, the church Sunday by Sunday would gather and the Spirit would fall and our joy was very great. And I believe many of us today have grown up thinking, we don't really need the Holy Spirit. We don't need it. We've got, we've got some professionals. We've got some good people. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, we've got nothing. We're just another club, and we're in irrelevancy. But when the Holy Spirit comes on, he changes everything because he changes us. And he makes us, sets us on fire with the love of Jesus and drives us in his power out into a dark, dark world to be shining lights for him. So let me conclude. I don't know if one of you, what your favorite TV show is. Heather and my is The Repair Shop. Love it. Oh, moved to tears watching how people with little, often little games or, or, or toys bring them to these wonderful experts who take it all to pieces and then put it all back together again and then give it back, this love treasure to the people. In a very much greater way, I believe Jesus is saying he wants to restore his church. He wants to take us to part, maybe... COVID has been him taking us apart, but he's putting us back together. He's giving us a blueprint, a vision for the future. And this future is with thousands of people's lives going to get saved. This baptistry pool being used over and over again throughout every month because God is saving people and adding people. How will that happen? It will happen when you and I say to, to God, we're not happy. We're, we're sitting down and weeping over the state of the church. We're not happy just to things go on as normal because we want the presence of God above all else. To have this, we need to restore the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to restore the gifts that every single one of us has been given in God. And we need to restore the primacy of intimacy of God's presence in the midst of his people. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you, God, that you love this church. Thank you. This church is, has been a blessing to so many over so many years, myself included. And I thank you for our wonderful history. But Lord, it's not in the past that I'm praying for. It's in the future. Young people, every one of us, Lord, to lay hold of you for the future. And I pray, even as I'm speaking in frailty this morning, you would put such a hunger in our hearts for more of you. We'd not be satisfied with a nice meeting. Lord, we want a meeting where the lion roars, where the spirit moves, where the unbeliever cries out, God is amongst you. And the, 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 the hidden work of the enemy is revealed because God's holy presence is in the midst. And so I pray for that. I pray, Lord, that you'd put a great desire in the heart of everyone listening when we regather to be not just happy to be together, but be hungering and thirsting for the presence of God in our midst. Lord, bless the elders. Bless this church. May this prophetic utterance this morning of three resonate in their hearts that there is something ahead of them which is amazing lifting them above the, the mist and clouds taking them to the nations of the earth and raising up leaders in this place i pray let your spirit go to work now in jesus precious name amen amen lovely to be with you god bless you